Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode 66. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. And I think my voice has already cracked three times in, like, the last six seconds. I gotta tell you, I admire your passion and drive for the podcast, because you are soldiering on. Okay, so do you want to hear nutso-crazy? I have a massive sore throat. I don't have tonsils. (laughs) <laughs> like, I was like 24 when I got my tonsils out, and I'll tell what you, sore? it was a miserable experience. It was horrible. But I went through it because the doctor said, you get your tonsils out, you won't have so many sore throats. Lies. Lies from liars who lie. Uh, let it be known, I completely am intact as far as tonsils are concerned, and I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, to, uh, not to rub that in or anything. So we are here to talk about gaming and God and uh, their strange overlaps. How are you doing, Mike? What's going on in your world? I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm fresh from recording with the Saving the Game guys. Speaking of strange overlaps, strange overlaps. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, they they messaged us and said, "Hey, you guys want to be on our next show?" And I said, "Absolutely." Um, it was kind of fun because inadvertently I kind of hijacked the theme. Such is our way. Such is our way. And it was really funny because they came in, they came at me with an outline, and I just laughed. And they said, we don't do that. <laughs> and um, by the time we were done, I had kind of hijacked the theme, and, and they're like, this is one of the loosest episodes we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Bringing down podcasts left and right. But, uh, no, it actually turned out to be a really deep episode because it all started because a line that I said is that gaming saved my life. And uh, not to rehash that, you should totally, when that comes out, uh, listen to their episode. But and where can you find their episodes? Right well, on our website. you can find them on com. Because Saving the Game is the second podcast to join up uh, with the ministry. Uh, ministry's growing, and we are excited about that. All kinds of cool stuff. I can't even keep track at this point. I, you know, it's <laughs> terrible because... People email me stuff, and I know stuff is coming, and, and then there's things going on, and I don't know whether they're on the website yet or they'll be there next week. It's very confusing. Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of stuff that's in the works right now. Well, even even the guys asked, are like, what's going on with inroads? And I'm like, uh, do you want the stuff that is, the stuff that will be, or the stuff we hope to get in the future? <laughs> the stuff that is... The stuff that it will be, or the stuff that may be. Right. Because that, uh, that's pretty much where we're at right now. But, uh, no, I would definitely recommend... Uh, I'll, I'll put all sorts of notices on the various social media craziness, and, and it will show up on the site when they when they post it. Because it... I'm not going to lie. I, I got a little deeper. Like, I think we, we've shared kind of our gaming past in, in way back in the... In, the early episodes of this podcast yeah, three years ago or two years ago, yeah. whatever that was. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I shared a little bit then, but I, I kind of got, you know, time wise shorter, but a lot deeper than I revealed on this show there. If that's, nice. you know, a, a suitable teaser for people to go over. Well, there. I think it's good. Cause as they get connected with inroads, they, their listeners get to find out at least about one of us. And our gaming experiences. I wasn't able to make it to the recording. We'll talk about why in a little while. Someday you uh, need to get on that show and talk about Battletech because I love hearing your Battletech stories. Uh, well, you know, we, everybody has those epic uh, 
epic years between like 15 and 17, you know, when you can just <laughs> do all kinds of crazy. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, uh, I've been busy since the last time we recorded. Uh, let's see. I have, uh, watched the Hobbit. Oh, uh, okay. So that's definitely something we can talk about. We, we can, but I still haven't seen it yet. Okay, so we'll, we'll we'll still put that one off. Yeah. No, here, give me the elevator. Did you like it? Did you not? Or are you somewhere in the middle? You know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I can describe why some people either would or wouldn't enjoy it without spoiling. Okay. okay? Does it have to what... do with pointy-eared people? Well, it, in part. Uh, what they've done is really tried. They have created a new story, uh, drawn from the resources that are there, the 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 kind of obscure token books that only real like epic nerds read. You know, hardcore nerds like us. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, and I have read them, uh, but you know, they're they're little bits and fragments of stories that side stories and backstories that Tolkien was thinking about while he was building this world because he was just that kind of geek. And uh, what happened was the filmmakers have gone, drawn from that, added their own stuff in in an attempt to to connect the story of The Hobbit more deeply with the story of The Lord of the Rings. Uh, to To show how things that were happening in the background of The Hobbit eventually evolved into the Lord of the Rings. And they made it way, 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 way more explicit than it's ever been. Now, I like it. I like it in the way that I like the new Sherlock, which is coming up in about two weeks, by the way. Also featuring a lot of the same actors. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but you know, how the, you know how the Sherlock, it takes the, the original story of Sherlock Holmes... And not only does it move it into a new environment, which is cool and all that, but it really does take a more modern spin on the characters. Right. Um, you know, it's just we do characterization different. We do storytelling different than it was, whether it was 50 years ago or 100 years ago. And, but it does it in a way that is really true to the original. And feels like if the dude was around now and he was writing the story... This is what he would have done. That's not what his son says, but... <laughs> That's, well, his son is also kind of old, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I will say but... that it definitely, it definitely, from what I've heard, it seems like it's going for much more of a feel of the storytelling as opposed to the actual storytelling. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, right along. I mean, there are definitely some, some things thrown in there that, you know, weren't right, but... But it follows pretty well. Right, and, I, uh, I have and one question. Does. Yes. One question and one question only because this is I've been waiting for this day for a long time. My favorite character of The Hobbit has finally been put to screen. He has. Tell me, is Bjorn as cool as he should be? He's not enough. He's not there enough. Uh, he gets such a tiny little window in the movie. Uh, that was the one thing that really disappointed me. Was like that was like a serious chunk of the book, and he's barely touched on. And yeah, I I was disappointed in that part because he is bar none my favorite character from The Hobbit. 
I'm that guy. I'm the guy who says Tom Bombadil is his favorite part of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I'm that yeah. guy. I'll totally cop to it. But for me, Bjorn is he, just the fact that he's there and he's he's the shapeshifter and he's communicating with the wilderness and he's just this guy out in the middle of the woods. I I absolutely love him, his personality, his the fact that he will eventually show up in the Battle of Five Armies, which I'm sure is definitely going to be, you know, as, as they're devoting an entire movie to it, it's going to be fleshed out a lot more. So I'm intrigued. Yeah, so hopefully you'll see it soon. We'll be able to talk about it. Um, let's see, I've played a couple games since we last uh, we last talked. Uh, I played Sulkin or Tolkien or something with the TZ in it that is hard to pronounce. And and hard to it looks like it's hard to play just because it's there's so many bits and moving pieces in a board game. You know, it looks a lot more complex than it actually is. Now don't get me wrong, okay? This is like serious worker placement Euro style game, okay? Um you've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different tracks you can progress down. You've got one, two, three, four, I think five different wheels that you can put workers on. That spin. And those wheels spin every turn. Uh, the There's four different times when victory points uh, are, are given. Uh, so it is definitely a complex game. It's definitely a game where there's no clear path to victory. Right? You, you can do all kinds of different stuff to gather victory points. But but really what it comes down to is you know, you pick away and you try to get as many victory points as possible. And so it's not that there's not overly complex mechanics. Uh one thing that was a problem for us um was if you could imagine there's like five wheels and each of those wheels has anywhere between like seven and ten spaces on it. And each of those does something different. So there's got to be like 50 different uh, spaces where you can pull your worker from and draw those resources. And there are uh, icons on each of those. Well, you know, I mean, if you've played a game like this where you know you have to have the back of the book like out so that you can what does that weird picture mean again exactly right and uh so there were times we made mistakes we did things wrong um or and like in my case i was going for a particular spot and it didn't do what i thought it did and so i had burned like two or three turns trying to get to that spot when i didn't really need to so i definitely think it's the kind of game that once you've played it a few times and you kind of know what everything is uh, it would be a little bit better and be a little bit more fun. You, you kind of have to settle into that one. Right. Just because there's so many different uh, possibilities. And because there's all of these different tracks you can be moving down as well, there's a set of four tracks and then another set of three tracks. And you can get bonus resources from one track. You can get victory points and resources from the other tracks. And... and it's one of those things where as a new player, you're like, I, I'm not going to grok this. I'm just not the first time I play it. Um, and, you know, I sat down and I was like, okay, if I buy this particular building, I know I can get victory points from doing this thing. Okay, well, I'm going to just focus in on that 
because I, I got that, right? I know how to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it just, it's complex. And a complex game, the first time you play it, is not always the most satisfying thing. Right, because um, you, you need that, that kind of buffer game that, okay, this is what this does. Right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and, and in a way, this is like, okay, this is the learning game. Right. You know, the first time you play a game like this. That said, the cool little, like, shifty gears turning thing mechanic, pretty sweet. Yeah, it, it uh, certainly looks impressive to see a game of Sulkin. And, you know, like, when you see the board getting put together, it's actually got to get put together in certain orders, or all the, the, the gears intermesh. And uh, so that was pretty cool. And and as a worker placement game goes, uh, it was good. It's not my favorite kind of game. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that I like co-op games. I like games with really streamlined mechanics. Um, but still a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah, there there is something to be said for the cooperative game, but I do like everyone, you know. I, I said that my game of the year this past year was City of Remnant, so, I mean, that is just full of, you well, know, pain I, and suffering for other players. Well, well, let me just give you another another example, okay? This, this uh, another game I've been playing a lot lately, but I've been playing single player on iOS, is Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, I want Lords of Waterdeep so bad. So, uh, if you don't know uh, what Lords of Waterdeep is, uh, you might not even know what Waterdeep it's is. Water D&D Deep is worker a, placement. <laughs> yeah, it's Waterdeep is a city in the Forgotten Realms. The Forgotten Realms is a gaming uh, a campaign, a campaign world in D&D. And if you don't um, know what the Forgotten Realms are, your homework is to go out... Right. And find about other Forgotten Realms. Even the new stuff. Even the 4th edition, 5th edition stuff. Find it. Well, I think it's probably, you know, it's it's home to Drist. Probably the coolest character in the history of D&D fantasy. <laughs> um, even though I once made Ari Salvatore mad. Yes, you did. That was fun. <laughs> um, I got yelled at by Ari Salvatore. Uh, that was cool. Um, uh, Elminster, uh, makes his home in the Forgotten Realms. Um, all of Drist's buddies, uh, all make their home and, uh, including, uh, several favorites. Um, what's the name of the dwarf? I'm having a mental blank. I feel sad about that. I really do. It'll come to me in a while. <laughs> anyway, um, great place. Uh, Waterdeep is the big, giant, political center of the New York City of the Forgotten Realms. Well, yeah, I was just, I was just about to make that that uh, comparison. I was going to say that you know if you're talking to somebody in New Jersey and you say Point. the city, the dwarf, his name was Point. He's awesome. Continue. <laughs> If, if you're in New Jersey and you say I'm going to the city, you're talking about New York. So Waterdeep is the city in Forgotten Realms. And uh, so, well, this is a little bit different than your typical D&D game, though. You know, you, you expect on a D&D board game that you're going to be going against a dragon or some orcs or some goblins and you're going to be brave heroes. Well, this is not the case. In, you're in, hiring those guys in right. Lords of Waterdeep. You are the leader of, like, a house. One of the political 
houses of Waterdeep, and you are doing various things, uh, co- completing quests, hiring people, bringing out various resources. You you bring you're hiring wizards and priests and fighters and rogues, and you're getting money and you're uh, you're playing intrigue cards that are getting you to do different things. Oh, in the quest for the glory that is gold. No, not gold. Victory points. My my favorite quest that you have to send people out on is to tame owl bears. Tame owl bears. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and uh, I have been playing that quite a lot on iOS. And if you go and you look at the reviews of the game on iOS, it doesn't review very well. And even the positive reviews tend to read something like this. Great game, super impossible. Like, and there'll be people who'll be like, I've played 15 times in a row and lost every time. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's because it's not a terribly complex game mechanically, right? but it's a very deep game strategically. And so... You know, you're going to win maybe one in five times. And as I've played more and more, and you know how it is with an iOS game, you can play them a lot faster than you can a board game. And so, you know, you can play it often. Uh, You you start to really understand some of the deep nuances of, okay, when do I want to use this intrigue card? Is it a good idea right now to withdraw one of my workers and and reuse him or should I wait until the next turn when should I put this mandatory quest on my opponent which opponent should I put the mandatory quest on should I try to take resources from my opponents or should I try to go and get resources from the board all of these different things that it's just not apparent the first couple of ten times you play it and one of the issues with a lot of board game groups is you play things once and then you're done. And then there's the next cool thing next week. And I think a lot of board games suffer because they're not played multiple times. And, uh, you know, I think Sulkin is one of those games. Now, the other game I played totally works first time you play it. That's a game called Love Letter. Oh, I love that game. How do you describe Love Letter? It's... it's <laughs> it's basically a game with how many cards is it? Sixteen cards. Sixteen cards. Sixteen cards. About what? Maybe seven different cards that make up those sixteen cards. Yeah, sounds about right. And yet, it's incredibly elegant, incredibly strategic, very fun, and you can pick it up in two minutes. <laughs> And, like some of the other games that we recommend for people who are just getting into gaming, you can pick it up at its most expensive for, like, 12 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And so the way that works is you are uh, delivering a love letter to a princess. That's the, the concept of the game. Okay? Basically, there are... You have one card in your hand... Each player has one card in their hand, and there is a deck in the middle of the remaining cards, 16 cards total. One of the cards is removed from the deck and hidden away, so you can never be fully sure 
of what's there. Because you can imagine with 16 cards, it's not that hard to figure out, once the game gets going on, what cards are left and where they are. By pulling out that one card, you put an element of mystery and randomness in there. Your goal is to end the game with the highest numbered card left. Each card, as you play each card, it has a special ability. It'll allow you to look at another person's hand. It'll allow you to force another player to uh, show them, show to trade their hand. Um, it took, there are certain cards that can't be hold, held in the same hand at the same time. Um, all of these little things, and what it makes for is this very kind of rock, paper, scissors, I think I can guess and deduce what you have based on what I can see on the board, do I dare go up against you right now mechanic that's really, really fun. And you know when it's extra fun? When you've just played an hour and a half of token. (laughs) <laughs> and you just need something that's like, hey, let's uh, let's just kick back and relax and, and play this fun game. I, I recently played another game that's very, very light. In fact, it was so light that um, it, people who were contributing to the Kickstarter for it were kind of upset because they thought they were getting more of a, a deep game because the people who uh, bought the rights to, to put it out made it part of the, the Resistance universe. It's a game called Coup. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really, really light game. And in fact, I'm pretty confident that even if you had the max number of players playing, which I believe is something like six, I promise you it doesn't take longer than 20 minutes to have a complete game with the maximum number of players. Because... Everyone's given two cards, and again, much like Love Letter, the cards do different things. And you're either taking one coin, which no one can stop you from taking one coin. You're taking two coins, which various people can uh, stop you from there. There are people who can pay pay money to assassinate your guy if, if they have the assassin. And if you throw seven coins in, doesn't matter what you have, you're doing a coup, and you take somebody out. Basically, there's a good chance that somebody is having one of their two cards revealed almost every turn. And, yeah, I it's a lot of fun. It's very fast-paced, but I really like it for one of those lighthearted games. I really, really enjoy it. You know, I've played Coup before, and I had no idea that it was in the Resistance world. Well, no, they, they just did that. Coup was released... Uh, earlier, under it had different artwork and everything like that, but it was okay. it was recently re-released. A, a different company picked up the license and made it part of the Resistance world. Trust me, if you've ever seen the cards for the Resistance and you looked at the cards for Coup, you can definitely see a similar art style. Okay, I think I print I played like a home print version of Coup. Yes, that that's so. Yeah, early on, that's that's how it was. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, you talked about doing the uh, show with the Saving the Games, Saving the Game guys, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I just mentioned all these board games that I played. Uh, those of you who watch the show, watch the show, listen to the show, listen to the show, know that uh, I'm part of a regular gaming group, 
And we meet every Thursday. I can't go every Thursday. I go every other Thursday, but at our friendly local game store called the Game Habitat in Monterey. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I am sick as a dog right now. I would not typically have gone yesterday. I would have just, you know, said, I'm too sick. I don't want to get anybody else sick. I'm just not going to go. But I got a message earlier in the day that said this will be the last game group at Game Habitat because Game Habitat is closing. Another great local institution closing its doors. I was bummed, man. Bob and Sonia are awesome people, and I know they've been struggling financially for quite a while, and, you know, they just had to make the choice. And I totally get them making the choice, and and I hope they do well. And and uh, But, man, you know, it's a bummer. And what's crazy is I honestly believe that board games are bigger now than they've ever been. Oh, yeah. I don't know if games like Magic are as big as they've ever been or tabletop war games, but I think board games in particular are as big as they've ever been. And, you know, basically what they said was, we have people in here all the time, but nobody ever buys. Nobody buys. Yeah. It's a common problem. And it, uh, so I thought we might take a little while to talk about our friendly local game store. And, uh, you know, what we can do to save them if they need to be saved. Um, You know, hey, here's the thing, right? I'm looking right now across my table at Munchkin Quest. Okay, uh, Munchkin Quest is the board game version of the you know hit, super hit, major, giant, epic Steve hit. Steve Jackson at his finest. Steve Jackson game, card game called Munchkin, and I bought it because I wanted to buy something on the last day that I could be at the game store. I wanted them to not have to... One more thing they don't have to sell on eBay to liquidate their their uh, uh, inventory. Now, because it was a board game group and it was the last day that we were going to be there, they decided to give everybody in the board game group 20% off. Oh, that's nice. Now, here's the thing. I... You know what? I'm going to go ahead and look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. While we're talking, this is incredible podcasting. Here (laughs) we go. Are you enjoying it, my friends? 20% off. And it would still be cheaper for me to buy it at Cool Stuff Inc. Oh, Cool Stuff is ridiculous. So, yeah, I'll I'll definitely understand that. And so, you know... And it's not like... They were trying to, uh, like, you know, overcharging us. No, the profit margin on game. There's a reason why there are so few local gaming stores anymore. The profit margin but, on a game is tiny. But here, here's the reality. Munchkin Quest at my friendly local game store was fifty nine ninety five. Okay. Fifty nine ninety five. Cool stuff Inc. Thirty three ninety nine. It's twenty six dollars cheaper 
at Cool Stuff than it was at the friendly local game store. That said, I can buy all kinds of cool stuff at Cool Stuff. But, last night there were 18 or so gamers at board game night all playing a whole bunch of different board games. You don't get that with an online community. We have an online community at the Tavern over on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome community. And we are st- we are actually working on ways that we can game together. But it's not easy. And it's not the same as sitting down and playing games with your friends. And for me, this is a major loss. It's the only game store literally within 100 miles of my house. And it is gone. That's a bummer, man. But what else could they have done? Right. In some way, you definitely rely on the local community to kind of bump that up. Um, we we actually just had a guy open up a new gaming store recently, and I've, I've mentioned it. Uh, for those of you who might be listening in, in the New Jersey area, I totally want to support this guy. Um, it's Elite Battlegrounds in uh, Boundbrook. And yeah, I I love this store. It's it's your basic comic book and board game and miniatures gaming kind of shop. And the dude who runs it is a really cool guy. Every time I walk in, like I don't go there all the time. I wish I could, but I, I it's kind of like you know taking an alcoholic to a bar. You just don't take me to a board game shop because I don't have the <laughs> money. And I would I would buy something every time I walked in there. Um, so every time I walk in, he'll, he'll be like, Hey, we got the new Netrunner cards, you know, everything like the minute I walk in the door, he's, he's already pointing me to the Netrunner cards. Cause that's usually what I'm there to buy. Um, he'll, t- we'll talk about the newest thing that came out anytime, uh, some kind of, you know, going to be announced at Gen Con thing happens. He's talking to me about it. Like, am I going to be, am I going to go and everything like that? And just, it's a whole new, you know, we've spent a lot of time over every episode talking about the friendly local gaming store, but there's, there's experiences that really can't be replicated. In fact, heck, I just, speaking of the tavern, I just put this on there. Um, the guys who created the, well, the family that created, uh, space cadets, the Engelsteins, apparently live not that far from where I do. And apparently they were at Elite Battlegrounds. And apparently a friend of mine who was able to be in attendance because, again, I was recording with the Save the Game guys, um, got his card. And apparently I will be in the very near future trying to make connections to get the Engelsteins on Game Store Profits because I can do that. And that happened only because they were at our local gaming store. You know, like I said, now I don't have a gaming store. I imagine that most people, if they looked really hard, could find a game store within an hour from their house. I might be wrong about that, but, I mean, certainly if you live in any near any kind of big city, you can. Right. Um... Now, your game store may not have the focus that you want it to have. It might be a mini wargaming store. It might be a magic store. It might be a a board game store. Who knows? 
Uh, if you're lucky, it'll be a little bit of all of that. But it's also possible that you don't have one that's close. Maybe you don't like the vibe at your game store. Maybe your game store is a lot not so friendly local game store, but they do happen. Um, I want to tell you one resource that that we use, uh, and I'm sure everybody's heard of it, but uh, believe it or not, our board game night, our Thursday night board game night at our friendly local game store that is no longer, didn't come about because of the friendly local game store. It came about because a group of people came to the game store and said, hey, can we use your space to play games? That group of people had already connected with each other on Meetup. Uh, Meetup.com. It's a website. Basically, you go to it, you put in what you like. So, you know, you put in banjo music, and it'll tell you if there's anybody in the area getting together to play banjo music. Or board games, if, you know, that's your thing. Whatever. Uh, and so we have at least 30 people, uh, who will be, you know, at least once a month get together as part of this group. You know, we go to conventions together. Uh, it's the kind of group where I can, I can make Tom Vassell jokes and everybody gets it. (laughs) Uh, you know, where you can just kind of, you can talk about various board games and just kind of drop names. Oh, it's a little bit like this, or it's kind of like that, or you know, whatever. It, it uses the mechanic from this, and and everybody knows what you're talking about. Um, though there are people who come and are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, and we just say, Don't worry, you will in two weeks. Uh, you know, you're gonna get hooked. Come on, <laughs> and and they do. They get hooked and they become friends, and it's great. And uh, so for us now, we are relying on Meetup, trying to find a new location to meet up. At, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, if you don't have a local game store, maybe you have a meetup group that does some board gaming. And if not, maybe you want to take it on yourself to start a meetup group that uh, does some board gaming. And uh, of course, then we also talk about our churches as well. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, one of your quests in life is to uh, to get more churches to get involved in gaming and using gaming as a way to build fellowship and also a way to outreach. Um, because there is something really special about singing each other and playing together. Uh, you know, you can play with a perfect stranger and by the end you'd be kind of friends. You well, know? I, I was just speaking at a retreat and now granted it was a smaller retreat because it was the first time they had, uh, it was a young adult retreat and it was the first time they'd done one of those. So it wasn't a huge group, probably, I think at the most I saw like 12 or 13 people uh, other than, you know, the people running things. So it wasn't a huge group, but there were people who didn't know each other before the retreat happened. So what did I do? Though, well, the first night they, you know, somebody Played werewolf. No, not, not the first night. That was the second uh, night. <laughs> See, I was close. Uh, but, and, and we did it around a fireplace, which is, Absolutely the way to do werewolf. Yeah, folks, just so you know, if you experience any time in person with Mike Perna, and there's more than, say, four of you, we'll be you're going to something. play werewolf. We'll be playing something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we started off playing car- like, like regular cards, because, you know, people started doing that, and I said, aha, look, games. And then I brought down the collection... And a bunch of wide-eyed people just stared back at me. And I said, you haven't even seen what I've left at home. 
But um, but we started playing a, a party game, a real simple party game called Say Anything, which is a fantastic game. And by the time, to- like a couple hours earlier, we had not even known each other. We'd never met. None of us knew each other. By the time that game of Say Anything was done, we had inside jokes. <laughs> I can say, you know, if, if there's anybody who was at the retreat and is listening, because a couple pe- everybody took cards, so it's possible that this is happening. Uh, I'm going to invoke the name of Hillary Duff, and I promise you that anybody that was at this retreat understands the power of Hillary Duff. And the rest of you are confused, and that's the beauty of gaming. Because this group of strangers developed community and inside jokes, and you had to be there in one night around this table. And so that that's, yeah, I love that stuff. And, and you know, local gaming stores do that. They provide a place for that. Uh, there are, at any given time, there are four different tables open gaming at our, at our local store. And he puts out a calendar of, we're doing this, we're playing Magic, we're playing Yu-Gi-Oh, we're playing Warhammer, we're playing this. And depending on, you know, and he'll even do awesome stuff like uh, the other day they were doing what they call Family Game Night. And he goes, we're playing Settlers of Catan. And while we're playing Settlers of Catan, this entire week, anybody who buys Settlers or any of the expansions for Settlers gets 20% off. And so it's it's both really good business and at the same point, it's really good community. Like, people know each other there and people get used to seeing each other there. And it's really it really is a shame that so much of that is going away. And and I can't really say that I'm not guilty of it too. You know, when you go to a game night and say, here's this really cool game, it's for free. Oh, awesome. I'll I'll play the heck out of that. Okay, this this game is great. How much is it? Seventy dollars. Uh, I'll see you next week. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, it, there it just comes down to a very harsh economic reality that the disparity between the price at the game store and online is such that even if you're wanting to say, I want to spend some money at the game store to be supportive, the gap is still too far. Now, we're talking about nearly a 40% difference in price. And you're right, you're talking about a $70 game, $50 game. Well, that gap, that amounts to a whole lot. Uh, you know, you're talking $20, $30, uh, $40 in savings. And I don't see how, even with the community... Uh, unless they're able to get a better deal where they can discount games. And and I don't know enough about the business to know whether that's possible. But you would have to be absolutely in a very busy city with a huge gaming community doing stuff every single day, running tournaments, running uh, leagues. And even then, I think these friendly local game stores have a pretty tough road to hoe. Uh, yeah, but but at the same point, it's not 
a hopeless road. Because I do. I think there is a tremendous value in the stuff that happens at the store, in the knowledge of the staff at a store, in even just being supportive. I, I can tell you for a fact that there are several times when I've seen a game and I'll be like, you know what, I could get this for, you know, 20 bucks cheaper, but I want this store to still be a thing. And I've gone, I've gone to the store to get it just out of sheer love for that environment. Like, I, I personally place a ton of value in that. Just because I'm, you know, maybe I am that, you know, that old-fashioned guy. And maybe it's also the fact that I try to pace out my game buying. But, I don't know. I I think for me that that community is added value that I'm willing to put in. There's There's just something about being there. Much like, you know, the physicality of board games themselves over digital. I mean, you can get on an an iPad and play a lot of the most classic board games. You were just saying that you've been playing Lords of Waterdeep. Where? On your iPad. I mean, you could do that, but there's something about picking up the pieces. There's a reason why Source sells D&D meeples that look like wizards and rogues and warriors and all this because people wanted that realness to it other than, you know, I'm going to take this blue block and move it here. They wanted the little guy who looks like a little warrior, a little rogue. I I think there's always going to be that place for that, for that physicality to it. You know, I agree. Uh, I really do. But at the same time, I get the economic reality of the thing. Uh, you know, I'm like you. I'm one of the guys that will pay more and get something at the game store. But again, I'm not doing that every week. Right. I try to buy something every time I'm there, even if it's just a soda or two. The short version, yeah, guys, is go out to your friendly local gaming store. Otherwise, you're going to... I I always keep having the, the you know, you, you you don't understand what you have until it's gone. Like, I can hear music in the background playing. <laughs> You know, and I'll tell you what, your church is the same thing. Okay, I know a lot of folks, they go to the church, they give a little bit here and there. And I'm not a pastor anymore, so I can talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's not self-serving. Right. All right? (laughs) This is not, I'm paying for something, this is, this is just how it goes. You know, and the bottom line is churches are disappearing left and right now you know I grew up literally in the shadow of Saddleback Church okay I grew up in the Saddleback Valley I grew up in Lake Forest where Saddleback Church is and that whole area is about the most church place you can find outside of Georgia okay (laughs) but I watched as little church after little church after little church closed. And, you know, if you want to have fellowship, whether it's board gaming fellowship or Christian fellowship, you have to be committed 
to the organization. Right. And, uh, you know, you don't necessarily think of a gaming store as an organization, but it is. It's a community. Okay? I guarantee you that these people who run these gaming stores are not making a fortune doing it. Oh, the, the guy at our store, at I the first couple times I went in there, I noticed it was he was always the guy there. And I'm sitting right. there going, huh, you run this place and you're always here regardless of when I show up. And he goes, yeah, it's because I can't afford to hire anyone. <laughs> if right. we're open, I'm here. <laughs> you know, and if you are part of a community like this, and the board gaming community, the miniature war gaming community, uh, even the customizable card or the, the collectible card game community, uh, the, these all count. Okay, uh, I've started to play banjo this year. Guess what? Not a lot of banjo players out there. Okay, so if you find people who are, who are like you, and who do the same stuff you do, cherish those people. Invest in those people. Likewise, if there are people you're going to church with, maybe you go to church every Sunday, you know, you recognize a couple people because they always sit in the pew two speeds, two pews ahead of you. But, you know, you go every Sunday, you sing your songs, you listen to your sermon, then you go to lunch with your family. Cherish those people. The people who are around you, who are worshiping with you, who are learning and growing with you. They are one of the greatest gifts that God has given to you. You know, I believe that the people I play board games with, they're a blessing that God has given to me. They're not just some folks who I happen to get together with every other week. This is something good that God has given to me and put into my life, and I'm thankful for that. And it goes to show that if we're not good stewards of the gifts that God gives us, sometimes they close. They disappear and they go away. And that sucks. And I feel bad. I do. I think, wow, maybe I could have bought another board game last month. Or, you know, and I mean, I know that just my behavior wouldn't have changed things. But, you know, you do feel a certain sense of responsibility. I was saying goodbye to Bob and to Sonia yesterday. Uh, you know, I was one of the people who was there supporting them, and I literally mean supporting them. It's their life. That's how they eat. That's how they pay their rent. And it's gone now. And that's man, that sucks. I'll tell you. You know, it it's one of those it's one of those things that I've always I've always been that guy who said, oh. I wish I could could run a game store. I don't think you do. I don't. <laughs> I I would be miserable at it. I would be horrible, horrible at it. Don't get me wrong. Everyone who would come in would love to come in. I would be the exact situation you were talking about earlier. I would be the guy who everyone l- would love to be in my store. And I would lose money <laughs> every day. <laughs> but I, I think there is... You know, you, you mentioned the whole concept of of buying into an organization, and you know, granted, mm-hmm. part of that is you know, in a very pragmatic, yes, you're actually contributing, but I really think that says a lot of just the nature of fellowship in general. 
you have to be willing to, you know, to, to use the old phrase, to, to put some skin in the game. If you're just showing up, if you're if you're not willing to to give of yourself, whether that's financially, whether that's your time, whether that's you know being open and and honest with the crap in your existence, because you're you're looking to to use that to kind of help other people, whether you know you want to to communicate just the fact that we're all in this together by just talking about your own sin and your own struggles that that I'm going to be in this you know we talked about the physicality of of game stores and and of board games and and why we like that you really need to be present to to put yourself out there to be involved um I I always you know we talk about the churches. I always get really annoyed when people are like, "Oh, I don't I don't like what this church is doing. I'm going to leave." And I ask one simple question every time somebody says that: "What have you done to try and change that?" Now, granted, that is an over oversimplification, but at the same sure. point, I always make sure that people take even that small moment to realize. If all you do is hop from one thing to one thing because the the first place you were at wasn't what you wanted it to be and you never took the time to find out what the place you're at is all about, all you're going to do is find a reason to get sick and tired of the second place. You're not going to have any roots. You're not going to have any reason to stay. And I mean, even... You know, to kind of bring back the gaming thing into it yet again. Uh, we talk about role-playing, and so much of our stuff is about, you know, the role-playing. Our, you know, the whole inn, the tavern, and everything like that. Um, there's a concept that the, I first heard it defined by the guys at Fear the Boot, but I've, I've talked about it a lot just in my own gaming experience. Just the idea of a group dynamic. And the group dynamic is pretty much... If there's no adventure, if there's no looming danger, will these people actually care about each other? Do these guys have anything connected to them outside of the present danger or the shiny thing that's that they're going to, to find? If the answer is no, you don't have a game. You have a distraction. <laughs> Because if the group has no reason to be together outside of the bad guy, when you defeat the bad guy, you don't have a group. Hmm. And and so even when I'm creating role playing game, I, I will. I'm that guy who says we should have one session where we're creating characters because our people should know each other. Our people should have ties. Now you don't have to have ties with everyone because we're people. I don't know everyone who walks into Elite. I don't. But I have connections with the owner and I have friends that go there. And and my, those friends, we've made plans to to spend time at Elite. I have friends at church. I go to a church of about 700 people. I don't know all of them. I know a disturbingly large number of them. <laughs> but... I don't know all of them. 
But what the, the those people I do know, I promise you, I spend time with them. They know a lot about me. Uh, one of the guys that was at the retreat was is the guy who's my worship leader now, and he and I, even though we weren't at church, even though we had nothing you know church related going on, we had both independently signed on to do this retreat, not knowing the other guy was going to be there, and we. Uh, heck, we carpooled. He, I drove, and he was in our car, and we got up there, and we were talking about you know the state of ministry and what the church is like, both big church, big C church, and little C church, our church, and we talked about lots of different stuff, and we talked about it at a level that I can't repeat what we talked about here because it was very personal and what we were talking about, what we were going through. And that's what fellowship is. It's, you know, there's a level that exists when you just show up to church and be polite and be friendly with people. And, you know, the gaming equivalent would be to to just get games at a store and have them sit pretty on your shelf. You can be a gamer and have, you know, your collection. Or you can have the gaming group and really put some skin in it and not care if somebody spills salsa on your cards. And, you know, I'm sure there are all sorts of gamers that just cringed at that, that I said that. I did a little bit. (laughs) I died a little inside. But, I mean, really, I've said it before and I will continue to say it. Games are the medium by which the true beauty of gaming happens. Because the true beauty of gaming is not the games, it's the people playing them. The games are just the medium by which we connect with these people. And so, yeah, I will raise a flag and defend the local gaming store. And I hope you guys do too. Because I there's a little bit of me that is really sad. Even though I probably would never have seen this, this gaming store out by Luke... I would never set foot in that store, but the fact that it's gone saddens me a little bit because it's one less place where people can experience that kind of buy-in. And I don't like that, that it's gone. And it's why I will tell you that, you know, you need to go to Elite because it's awesome and I want that store to keep around. You know, I think we can cut through all of the lingo and fellowship and gaming groups and friendly local game stores and our churches cut through all of that and let's get down to what we're talking about here what we're talking about is friends yeah people who care about you people who you've experienced things with people who when life goes sideways will be there maybe they're not the ones that are going to be right next to you but they're going to care they're going to know you know I happened to be there one day when one of the members of the game store had a family tragedy and we were there for them. You know, we weren't there for them in that awkward way where you're like, Oh, Hey, you're an acquaintance and something really bad happened to you. Everything's going to be okay. You just get that awkward pat on the back. Say it's going to be fine. Fuck up soldier. No, this was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we're friends and we care about each other. I was friends with Bob. I was friends with Sonia. They're good people. I enjoyed sitting down and talking with them. And I'm not going to get to do that anymore. Because friends need places. You know, we go to our churches 
and we worship together and we learn together and we sit next to each other and all of that is great and that means that we are brothers and sisters in Christ but but really it's not all that useful what matters is are we friends and like you said you go to a church of 700 people you go to a church of 100 people you can't be friends with everybody but you can't be friends with a few a few people who you've invested your life in theirs and they've invested their life in yours and because of that you're both better off and I don't know what the answer is to game stores or big churches or little churches I think there's a hundred different answers and that's okay but I will tell you this take some of the time in your life to invest in another person to make a friend to bond with somebody over a worship service or a board game, or whatever it is your thing, and your life will be much, much better off. Uh, Mike, you know, it's not the same to uh, bond online, though you and I, we've never actually met each other, or at least we don't think we have. It's the it's the funniest thing that people do not realize this. We have, at one point, we occupied the same state, but we didn't know each other then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's possible that, you know, we were in a class together, or... We had lunch at the same table one day or something like that. Right, but, but it was probably in a, a, a room of 50 people. Right. Um, but we do have a, a great online community. doesn't take the place of a local community, but we do have a great online community going. Uh, we call it the Tavern, and what you can do to get there is you can go to uh, our website, inroadministries.com, click anywhere on that website where it says Facebook. It says it a bunch of different places. And it'll take you there. Uh, and uh, you can also do all kinds of other stuff at Inroads Ministries. You can listen to Save the Game. Saving the Game. You can uh, read articles. You can buy stuff from us instead of your friendly little... Oh, man, that's just a mess. Uh, here, here, I'm just going to say it right now. Yes, if you go and click on our store and buy stuff through our store, it goes through Amazon and we get some of that to help support the ministry. If you do that, that's awesome. However, if you would rather take that money and go to a friendly local gaming store and buy it there, I'm personally, as the guy who receives that check, I'm going to tell you right now, do that instead. Yeah, I'm alright with that. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, you can uh, hang out with us uh, on Facebook. You can send us emails, luke at inroadsministries.com, mike at inroadsministries.com. If you just can't decide which one of us is awesomer, contact at inroadsministries.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at GSProfits and at inroads. Yep. And uh, I think that's everything. Is that everything? I believe so. If it's not, it, I, if it's not, just go to inroadsministries.com. In, in the near future, there. we're hopefully going to be able to get a contact page going because otherwise, oh, we're going to spend another to-do list item. Oy. Yeah, yeah. I have I have a laundry list of things that need to get done, but we do it out of love. We do, and so, folks, we remind you that God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall the game plays on.